0: Welcome to Consent Conversations at the Berg. Your hosts are Jennifer Storm and Carmen Brown.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Consent Conversations at the Berg. I'm one of your hosts, Jennifer Storm. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the Director of Equity in Title IX. As always, I'm joined by our Associate Director of Prevention Education, Carmen Brown.
0: Hi everyone, as Jen said, my name is Carmen Brown and I use she, her pronouns. So this
1: episode, we are going to talk about the upcoming Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is always held in April of each year. SAM, is what Sexual Assault Awareness Month is shortened to, was first nationally observed in 2001. However, individuals have been advocating loudly and proudly for sexual assault prevention for decades. But the goal behind this particular advocacy is simple. You cannot prevent an issue if people aren't aware of it. And it's really difficult to make people aware of something or a solution if it's not provided to them. Sexual Assault Awareness Month has always focused on bringing to light survivors stories and talking about viable solutions in a way to prevent the sexual harm that happens in our society.
0: And these aren't new movements either. As Jen mentioned, Officially Observing Sam began in 2001, but a lot of movement around the prevention of sexual violence started to gain traction in the 40s and 50s in the midst of the civil rights era. This was really when activists began to challenge the status quo, specifically the actions of black women and women of color, like Rosa Parks, who worked at the intersections of race-based and gender-based violence, a framework that we now officially recognize as intersectionality, having been coined by Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989. So this activism continued on into the 1970s, which really focused on support for survivors and further heightening awareness of the issue of sexual violence. In 1971, the very first rape crisis center, and that doesn't mean that assistance and support to survivors wasn't happening before that, but the first sole rape crisis center was founded in San Francisco, which was also coincidentally the same city where the first Take Back the Night was held in 1978, which we will talk about more later. A lot of these movements also mobilized survivors and activists to call for legislation and funding that would support survivors. One of the big ones that we know about today is the Violence Against Women Act of 1993. Yep.
1: So in the midst of all this, in 2000, the newly launched National Sexual Violence Resource Center, in partnership with the Resource Sharing Project, polled sexual violence coalitions asking them about preferred colors and symbols and really how to reflect the Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And I want to talk really quickly, too, about the history in Pennsylvania, because the National Sexual Violence Resource Center is actually based out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And we are home to many of the first rape crisis programs in the country. So while Carmen mentioned that the first was in San Francisco, the Pittsburgh Action Against Rape is one of the oldest sexual violence organizations, and that's right here in Pennsylvania. And again, we're home to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, which is a partnership with the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. So Pennsylvania has a very strong, deep history in advocating for not just victims in general, but specifically in rape crisis movements. So in terms of establishing what Sexual Violence Awareness Month was going to look like, there was a poll done to kind of talk about what color should be used, what should the symbol be, and the results of all that led us to the teal ribbon. And that has been the reflection of Sexual Assault and Awareness Month for decades. So that symbol is really what we look to to kind of reflect what we do in this month. And even though the National Sexual Violence Resource Center every year puts out a whole new campaign with different themes and different colors, that teal symbol and that teal um, ribbon has always been the, the mainstay. So we are still waiting on the National Sexual Violence Resource Center to release all of those wonderful supportive items that we're going to be using as we kind of move forward in our promotion. But each year there's a new theme that, College campuses and in Sexual Assault Awareness Month, we mobilize around that theme. It usually focuses on various aspects of sexual violence awareness. So more recently, the intent on these themes has been focused on bringing in more diverse audiences and recognizing the very importance that these individuals play in sexual assault prevention and awareness. So this brings us to this year's theme, which Carmen is going to talk about.
0: And I am so very excited, Jen. I don't know if that's the right word, but I feel like this year's theme, which is drawing connections, prevention demands equity, really calls to Muhlenberg as a campus. And a lot of the amazing things and movements and initiatives that our really diverse campus does and has when it comes to prevention and awareness. So the campaign calls on all individuals, communities, organizations, institutions, everybody across the campus, across the Allentown area, Pennsylvania, the nation, the world, to change ourselves and the systems surrounding us to build equity and respect. We know that systems of oppression, such as racism, sexism, classism, all of the other isms, heterosexism, ageism, and ableism contribute to higher rates of sexual violence. However, we're often unaware of how these historical conditions have shaped our lives And how we move throughout the world, especially when it comes to various forms of privilege with the many identities we each hold. And along with those identities, not only comes privilege, but also forms of oppression as well. So in working toward a future without sexual violence, we all must respond to the needs of those most impacted by systemic oppression. Because without doing that, this really is only an issue that's hitting certain people. Drawing Connections recognizes that it will take ending all forms of oppression to end sexual violence in all its forms and make actual, real, large-scale and lasting change. Definitely.
1: So in line with this theme, we have a ton of amazing events happening throughout the month that really touch upon the various ways that recognizing diversity and highlighting diverse voices can contribute to the prevention of sexual violence. So our first event is one that is near and dear to my heart, and that is Take Back the Night. Take Back the Night has a long history in the United States, as we briefly mentioned before. Take Back the Night was born in the 1970s when incidents of violence against women in Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Los Angeles garnered media attention. There were a lot of public events held in cities and on college campuses, demanding resources and safety for women. But truly Take Back the Night, the first one, was held in San Francisco in 1978. Shortly after that, colleges and cities around the world, such as Ohio State University, in Columbus, Boston, Massachusetts, and even Wellington, New Zealand, began hosting Take Back the Nights. Throughout the decades, Take Back the Night has taken on many forms, from feisty rallies to silent walks. But no matter what, they've always had one focus, and that's to bring awareness of the issue of sexual assault by reclaiming public spaces. So Take Back the Night, kind of the the importance of having it at night and kind of reclaiming the night is that so many sexual violences that happens, acts of sexual violence, they happen at night, they happen in the dark, they happen in silence, and they often happen obviously without witnesses. We know that these are often the hardest cases to prosecute. So having a Take Back the Night rally is one of these really empowering events that enable survivors to come forward in a way that they probably never have or, or wouldn't have conceived of and be able to break that silence in a really supportive environment. And I mentioned that it's one that's near and dear to my heart because in 1999, I was a, a freshman at Penn State University and I was a survivor of sexual violence. And I had at that point never publicly shared my story. And a friend of mine from my sorority asked me to go to this Take Back the Night event. And I was like, okay, and I didn't really know what it was, but I went to it and the way that we structured it, and you're gonna see on our campus, it's gonna be similar, is that it started with you know a rally where, where we had speakers and we kind of set the tone. And then we took this walk around campus. And every time we would stop, we'd have little points where we would stop and everyone would kind of gather in a circle and we all held lights. And people were just invited to step into the circle and share their stories. And so I found myself, I think it was probably the second or third stop. I don't know what compelled me, but my feet just kind of carried me into the middle of the circle. And all of a sudden I was standing there by myself, but surrounded by all these beautiful people and this light. And I shared my story for the first time, and it was one of the single most empowering things I had ever done. And it really is what sparked my life as an activist and as an advocate. It helped me realize that I wasn't alone. These events are truly very, very important to me. They they helped spawn my career. Um, And I don't say that because I want all of you to kind of come to take back the night and then go out in the world and, and blaze a trail and become an activist or an advocate. But to say that your story matters and there is a place for it and there is a space for it. And I'm really excited that on our campus we just brought this event back last year, you know, we're going to hold those sacred spaces for you. And if you are a person out there who has been impacted by sexual violence, we want you to come. We want you to feel safe. And we want you to know that you're supported. You can come as a supporter. You can come as a speaker. You can come as either. And like happened with me, just let your feet carry you where they may. But we promise that it will be a really supportive, wonderfully empowering event.
0: Thank you for sharing your story, Jen. And this year, one of the things that we really wanted to do and share in setting up Take Back the Night was really harken back to the roots of what Jen had just mentioned of like where this grew out of. So to get into some of the details and please do keep an eye out in your emails and at the Prevention EDU, it's at Prevention EDU, Muhlenberg Instagram account um, for more information. So The first part of Take Back the Night is going to begin around 6.45 p.m. We're going to start off in Miller's Moyer Forum, um, and this is going to offer a space to, first off, learn a little bit more about the history of Take Back the Night and kind of welcome individuals into this space, welcome individuals into this movement, into this initiative here at Muhlenberg, and allow a safe space for survivors to share their stories. So this will be where survivors will be welcome to kind of come up in whatever way works for them to share a story we will also offer the opportunity to share a story beforehand and have someone else read that we recognize the various ways that survivors find support and the various ways that they feel comfortable telling their own story we want to support each and every one of those individuals in those ways after that we're going to have our second part of an event which is going to start around 7 15 or so and this is going to involve involve an actual march around campus So throughout the March, we're going to stop, as Jen had mentioned, at several areas. We're going to have various campus partners present and share their commitment to prevention education at Muhlenberg, as well as their support of survivors. And we're going to stop at various stops. I think there's probably five or so across campus, really representing the diversity of campus and the various spaces that do this really amazing work of not only attempting to prevent these issues from happening in the future, but also supporting the survivors that we know are going to be with us and walking along with us.
1: We will have support persons there. So if you're concerned or maybe a little fearful about coming forward because you think it'll be emotional, that's okay. We want you to bring your emotional self and know that we will have people there, trained counselors from the Crime Victims Council of the Lehigh Valley and other folks on campus that, you know, if you are having a hard time or if you just need to take a minute and speak to someone, that support will be there for you. So we're really excited to hold this event. We hope it is a night of hope and healing. And so if you have questions about that, certainly um, as Carmen indicated, reach out to her, reach out to members of Voices of Strength, check out our Instagram account and ask us, you know, what to expect. Because for folks who have never been to a Take Back the Night, it might seem a little scary. So please know that, um, you know, we'll walk you through what you what you might experience and what you'll go through, and you'll absolutely have support. So we're really excited. That's our kickoff event. But as we mentioned earlier, we have a ton of events happening that week. So I'm going to kind of go through all of the other events. So Wednesday, April 12th, we're holding a sexual liberation workshop. And this workshop is going to be from 7 to 8.30. This will be held exclusively on Zoom. So a pre-registration link is going to be provided that will provide you the ability to get onto that Zoom link. This program will dissect the concept of sexual liberation, freedom, and privilege, specifically how it interacts with race, class, and gender. What does sexual liberation look like when we often witness a predominantly white, heterosexual, male-dominated, anti-trans culture? How do queers, poor people, trans folks, people of color, and women get access to the privilege of desire and exploration? How does oppression show up in our bedrooms and between our legs? Join us as we walk through and dissect the obstructed path to sexual liberation. We're really excited about this workshop. We think it's going Mm -hmm. to spark some incredible conversations. please consider attending this. We appreciate that sometimes these topics could be a little anxiety producing or a little um, nerve wracking. The beauty of Zoom is that you can join. You don't have to be on camera. You can just listen. Um, and it's a little bit less intimidating than walking into a room and being around um, everybody talking about these things. So definitely tune in, especially if this is, um, if you're curious about this topic, It's definitely gonna be an incredible space to grow and really kind of expand your ideas around sexual liberation. So Tuesday, April 18th is Break the Silence. This event will be from 6 to 7.30 in Seegers in rooms 108, 109. Break the Silence is being held in partnership with Clear Path Wellness, which is a nonprofit in Allentown. This event is going to focus on healing, which we all need in all forms. The event will provide information on the science behind trauma serve it serve as an opportunity for individuals to share their stories of healing and also to provide some healing modalities including breath work tapping and yoga poses so this is definitely going to be a movement like light movement type of a workshop so you know come dressed comfortably um, it'll be a wonderful you know small space for you to come into and share your story if you're feeling comfortable if not just witness others and and help bear witness to their stories but then also maybe learn some really science-driven tactics that can help reduce the stress and anxiety that trauma causes, because it does, it lives in our bodies. And there are wonderful things that we can do that can help release that either on a daily basis, in the moment when trauma just kind of surges. So I would highly recommend you to attend this workshop. I think you're gonna learn a lot. Please don't be intimidated by yoga. We are not gonna ask you to stand on your head, I promise. (laughs) They will be very basic simple yoga poses that will actually really be incredibly beneficial if you can incorporate into your life. If yoga is not your thing, you can also come and not even participate in the yoga part. Tuesday, April 25th is Meet Us in the Living Room. As you know, we've been doing these living room conversations. This was a project that Dean Williams was really passionate about and brought to the campus this year. And these are just spaces where we can come together in small group and talk about things. Whether it is um, something that happened nationally and and we're all feeling the reverberations of that, or if it's something that happened on campus, or if it's just a topic that we need to be talking more about, but we we don't have the space. So the living room is just that. It's like a living room in your home where you come together and you talk about and dissect and explore different concepts. So we're going to do this at 7 p.m. again on Tuesday, April 25th. It's going to be in Seegers 108 and 109 again, so the same room as the other workshop. But during this session, we're gonna focus on the theme, right? We're gonna talk about drawing connections, why and how prevention demands equity. So we're really gonna talk about what that means here at Muhlenberg, how we can really live that theme, how we are living that theme. So bring your questions, your curiosities, bring your ignorance, bring your confusion, I say that not in a negative way, but we want you to bring your whole messy self to these conversations. That's the point of living room conversations. It is a safe space to get curious. It's a safe space to be wrong. It's a safe space to ask questions that maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable doing in a classroom setting or a large gathering setting. These spaces are to help us learn just as much as they are to help us unlearn the things that maybe we were taught that aren't as accurate or aren't a reflection of the culture that we want. So please come to the living room conversation. I promise you it will be a very thought-provoking conversation. Finally, on Wednesday, April 26th, we're going to take place in Denim Day. Denim Day, again, is another massive national, actually international, kind of protest that, that sparked out of trying to create awareness around sexual violence. So from 12 to 2 p.m. in the lobby of Seeger's Union, members of our Voices of Strength group are going to be holding a table to honor Denim Day. The campaign, again, really began after a ruling by an Italian Supreme Court who overturned a rape conviction because the justices felt that because the victim was wearing tight jeans, she had to have helped the person who raped her remove her jeans. So she was essentially accused of participating in her own rape because of the clothing that she wore. Now we've heard this time and time again, individuals being, you know, slammed and shamed and blamed for the things that they wore. We tend to often focus on the victim. We focus on what the victim did, what they said, what they wore, and it it creates this victim blaming culture that we have had for decades in this world. And denim day was just a rally call after this this person was so so treated disrespectfully by the Supreme Court. Who just bled right into these stereotypes and these myths. So every year on Denim Day individuals are encouraged to wear denim to bring awareness to victim blaming and to protest these destructive myths surrounding sexual violence. So we encourage you on April 26th please wear denim but also stop by the Voss table. They're going to have support resources and provide an opportunity to also write messages of support and consent on pieces of denim that are then gonna be displayed around campus, which I think is really awesome. Um, So please uh, consider attending any one of those events. I think we have a really great diverse set of events that hopefully speak to all of you. You might be more interested in one than the other, but we certainly encourage you to either come out in support, come out in curiosity, come out to heal, come out to share, But participate in some way. If you've never done anything regarding sexual violence, if it's never impacted you personally, we especially want you to come to one of these events to learn a little bit more about it, to get a greater understanding of why we raise awareness. You know, we tend to hyper-focus on awareness during specific months just so that we can structure events and, and we as a community can kind of shine a light. But April is just a snapshot of what we should be doing all year, every day around this country. We need to be dismantling the culture of sexual violence that we have in this society so that we can slowly stop the acts of sexual violence from happening so that we don't have to have a month that we focus on this. We're far from that, unfortunately, because of the way the statistics are. So we encourage you to come out. We encourage you to help dismantle some of these myths. Every 98 seconds in the United States, somebody is sexually assaulted. That is a staggering statistic that we really wanna make sure we have an impact on. And here at Muhlenberg College, I think we can, and we're doing some amazing things to do that. Carmen, anything I forgot to mention about all of these amazing events that we're doing?
0: So just a few things that I, one, I forgot to mention about Take Back the Night, and you jogged my memory, Jen. This is going to be a completely accessible event for individuals who may, like for a march, who might not find a march possible. We will have carts to be able to drive people along the route, because we really recognize that a lot of individuals might feel passionate about it, but also might feel restricted based on certain things. So please, whether or not you are going to walk with us or you feel more comfortable riding in a cart, we are going to provide that opportunity. Along with that, with these, these are kind of our highlight events of what Jen mentioned. These are the ones that are being sponsored primarily by my office, the Prevention Education Office. But Voices of Strength, the boss, along with their Denim Day tabling, are also going to be doing a lot of programming throughout the month. I think I looked at our calendar for April recently, and every single week we have two or more programs. So please keep that in mind that you'll also see a lot of that going on as well. So if you work better in a peer-to-peer space, those are going to be the spaces that are best for you. And we really, as Jen mentioned, just want to encourage you to go into the space and the topics that best connect with who you are, how you learn and grow and what you connect with. We offer all of this so that everybody has the opportunity to get what they need and take what they need from our programming. You don't have to attend all of them. Of course, we'd love to see you at all of them, but we hope to see you at least one of them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And kudos, Carmen, to you and to Voices of Strength the amount of prevention education work that you have done on this campus in in your short time here is really just incredible <laughs> and and i think the last count was that you have trained over 2000 i think in total between my yeah. office your office and boss it's over like
0: 2000 people correct that is correct yeah, yeah. which we know is, is some repeats but you can hey. never hear this information too much
1: well it's phenomenal and you've just been a blessing to the campus so thank you for all the work that you've done thank you so as always, this is a podcast. We have, um, you know, converted our consent conversations that were on the radio now into this podcast. So if you ever want to look at or read some of the archived or listen to the archived episodes, we can provide those for you. We are also, I believe, on most podcast streaming um, resources now and channels like Apple and Spotify. So wherever you listen to podcasts, if you like what you hear, hit the like button, hit the plus button, subscribe. Um, if you have any feedback or comments, if there are things that we said that you want a challenge. Please do that. Send me an email either at, Jennifer at muhlenberg.edu or Carmen. What's your email,
0: Carmen? Um, Carmen. Carmen K- I'm going to spell it because I know sometimes people get that a little wrong. K A R M E N Brown at muhlenberg.edu. And mine's Jennifer Storm, by the way. I forgot my last name. Jennifer Storm at
1: muhlenberg.edu. But send us your questions, your curiosities, your thoughts. Maybe there's something you want to hear us talk about. Uh, You don't have to put your name in that email or you can, you know, obviously we'll see your email. You can say, I don't want my name affiliated with this, but here's something I want you to talk about. Or here's a question I have. We want to hear from you as listeners. We want to know if you're enjoying the content, but we also want to know what you want to hear from us. Uh, Maybe there's programming ideas. Um, Any thoughts that you have that we're certainly open to that. And we would love to dive into those conversations with you. As always, follow us on Instagram at preventionedu. Um, Look there for most of the upcoming events that we just talked about. You'll see updates on that. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, when in doubt, talk it out.
0: Consent Conversations at the Berg is a production of Muhlenberg College, the Office of Equity in Title IX, the Department of Prevention Education, and WMUH Allentown. This program is recorded and produced in the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania.